Hey, welcome back to The Craft, where we explore what we're learning about the creative process. I'm Colby, and I'm here with my friend Carter. And today we're talking about how to find creative inspiration. You want to kick us off? Yeah, so welcome back. We're excited to have a conversation tonight about finding creative inspiration. And so I think a good place to start is kind of the exigence or the problem. The problem is you don't feel inspired. It's a dry season. You feel like you should be doing something, but you're not, right? Like, what's so difficult about that? I don't know. Why do we get, I guess, the general state of the artist is not inspired, and then inspiration happens less than being uninspired? What do you think about that? Like, huh? are we yeah, typically dude, not yeah. inspired? The, yeah, the, the resting state of the creative is like not necessarily, I don't know. I'm, it kind of depends. It, I think it's seasonal. That might be the word. Maybe it's overused, but just it seems like there's periods of your life where you're, where I, periods of my life where I'm like, ideas are pouring out of my ears and I'm just like, I don't have enough time to come up, finish these ideas because I'm yes. so excited. And then there's times where it's like dry, dry season. And I, I do think sometimes that's more of the case. And even just hearing someone today talk in another podcast about how there was a lot of burnout for people over the past few years with the pandemic and everything going on. So I think that that's probably a fair assumption that a lot of people are in that dry spot. Yeah. And you know, one of the things I was thinking about, it might be helpful to start with what we mean by creative inspiration. And so I mm-hmm. was thinking about distinguishing this from excitement or eagerness. Like you can be inspired and be like really excited, but it's like not necessarily like, oh, I feel excited and eager. Like I feel like whenever you get gripped with an idea, that's what I was thinking. Like when you're struck with an idea or a concept or a feeling, like that's the inspiration in my mind. And so even going back to like kind of the etymology of inspired to the Latin inspire or the Greek, I think it's like coming from pneuma, which in the New Testament uh, or in other kind of Greek literature, the spirit and wind or breath is the same Mm. word. And so this idea of being like the Greek muses, filling you, coming to you, something from outside, like something grips you. And so I think while, yeah, we can talk about like being excited for a project or eager to get into something, like that's not necessarily the inspiration. Like inspiration can be excited and eager, but I feel like... Anytime you're kind of gripped by something, even if it's just bothering you, right, uh, and you keep coming back to it, I think that's a kind of inspiration. Uh, what do you What do you think, Cole? Like when you hear inspiration, where are you running to? Like, what do you think about when someone says, like, how would you define creative inspiration? Well, it's interesting because I, I do think that the quickest, like, lowest hanging fruit or the quick, the first definition that comes to my mind is kind of like motivation, you know, just, I'm excited to do this. So it is kind of what you just described in a way, but I do also think of that, the muse kind of, or something external hitting you like an idea or a feeling or an emotion or a life experience that happens to you. And you're like, I have to make something out of this. Like maybe for me, maybe a practical example is I, I see a sunset or the the mountains or I'm in a moment and it just feels really special. And I'm like, oh, I want to turn this into a song. You know, I want to bottle this up into a song like that, that sort of thing. Or, oh, this would be so cool. I want to start a business with that idea. Or, you know, it's like something happens 
that's external that then turns into an internal desire, motivation, drive, something like that. That's good. That so maybe motivation is you know I don't know maybe I was trying to distinguish those and they don't need to be distinguished. Like I, I now that I'm kind of ruminating on that too, it's like when you're inspired, there is an element I think of the desire to, like you said, take something that's external and articulate it or, or deal with it. Like even going back to kind of our first principle um, in, in creating that idea that we have something that we we can express and we're trying to express it. Like that action to be motivated to do that, to be inspired to do that. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right on. It's I love that you brought up the etymology of that word though, because that that is really helpful. And like I've heard John Bellion talk about songwriting and say it's like trying to catch lightning in a bottle. And so that's a very rare thing. It's like you're you gotta be outside a lot. So you have to put in, you can't just sit at home. You have to go outside where the lightning is going to strike, but you can't plan when the storm happens and are you in the right location? It's literally, I mean, I'm probably taking that metaphor too far, but it's like you're running around with the bottle and you're like trying to find where is this going to strike? So there's sort of this idea baked into that metaphor of like, I'm I'm probably just extrapolating too much on it, but it's like the the metaphors, you got to be in position to receive something. I think Good. there's another quote we've talked about personally before about um, be at your desk when inspiration strikes or something. Do you remember what it was? Yeah. Oh, I can't remember this. Like inspiration strikes every morning at 6 a.m. when I sit down on my desk right. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, dude, I really, and you know, one of the things that I'm drawn to here is this idea of it coming from outside of you. I feel mm-hmm. like every artist, writers, musicians, it seems like this is a common thread you hear all the time. I mean, I remember, I think Bob Dylan's like, I don't know how I wrote some of my songs. Like they just, like they just wrote themselves. Like you hear that a lot. Artists talking about songs, writing themselves as if, you know, they are kind of conduits of something. Um, And so when I was thinking about that, it's like, yeah, it's something outside of you. And so maybe if we're talking about how do we find creative inspiration, I guess one of the first things is thinking about, not looking inward necessarily, but like looking outward. I don't know. Does that sound, does that sound right? Finding creative inspiration. Should you be looking outside? Hmm. I think maybe there's a place for both introspection still and looking outside, but it almost kind of makes me want to get into like, where do you find inspiration and just talk about how, how that looks for each of us? Because I think, um, a big piece of it is looking out to other sources and maybe we can just talk about what some of those sources are, but yeah, I definitely agree. I think there's a, a need to look outside of yourself. And then, um, my only kind of caveat is just because I feel like a lot of art in songs and thinking of songwriting music and stuff comes back to experiences that involve me. Cause a lot of art is so, uh, centered around the individualistic or the individual experience that I have. And then I want to express as an artist, you know, but other times it depends. Like other times it's storytelling and, and getting into other people's shoes and telling their story. And sure. So, yeah. And I feel like even with personal experience, it's things that are happening to you, like things coming at you, places that you're in experiences that you're having. Um, 
I don't know. I, okay, I just yeah. preparing for this, I I kept thinking about how often I've heard people, and even you know, bringing up the etymology just to show, like we've been thinking about inspiration coming from the outside for a long time, like as long as we've been using this word. Um, and so I, I agree that we need to, uh, yeah, it, or it would be helpful to think about places where we find information, information, inspiration. Um, and so do you want to start us off with that? Like, okay, yeah, looking sure. looking to find creative inspiration. Where where are you looking? How are you looking? Do you have habits? Does it sneak up on you? Like, how does that happen? So for me, the sources that I wrote down thinking through this were nature. So that could be a hike or a mountain or a sunset or the clouds. Um, Next one that kind of pairs with that in the way is traveling, like airports and airplanes for some reason. I think there's something about being on an airplane, being up in the sky, in the clouds, that you can kind of have those like 50,000 foot view kind of thoughts and like ideas hit your head, you know, where you're just, and you're kind of, you're in nature, but you're, and you're around a lot of people and there's a lot, you know, a lot of people on business trips and a lot of just movement and energy and kind of excitement, people going to visit each other, people taking these um, trips to places for the first time. I think there's just a lot of something about the airport as a place where everyone is converging. Yeah. That's a great word. In a really interesting way. Yeah. And it's super diverse too. I mean, maybe that's another factor. It's like, like everyone's converging from all these different walks of life and you have, so many different careers and just like every different uh, graphic, demographic, psychographic, all the all the graphics uh, just converging, all the different diversity of people. And um, I don't know exactly what it is, but just something about maybe it's even just the feeling of the journey and being on a trip and, you know, like stepping outside of your own city. But and for some itself, reason, like, yeah, go back. <laughs> Go back seventy five years or something. I don't. Okay, I'm. Don't fact check me on like when Kitty Hawk was in the Wright Brothers. But like go back far enough. Flying is. I mean, flying itself is pretty incredible. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely, I get that way too. Like, there's yeah. something about being suspended flying. I don't know. That's really conducive totally. to. I don't know. Thinking about all sorts of things. Yeah, and you're also like in a tube with no internet service for three hours or whatever. So it's like, you know, there's even just that another element of just being able to shut things off and and being forced to sort of like have that space. Of course we got in flight entertainment and all of that stuff, but yeah, that's definitely another source for me. And then the third one I wrote down was just literally watching other people do their craft. So that's documentaries, YouTube videos, like behind the scenes of making a song or, um, yeah, I think documentaries are a big source for me. Like if I'm not inspired or want to get inspired, I might want to watch something like some examples are like Euro dreams of sushi on Netflix. That is such a good documentary. And it's just about this man who spent his whole life dedicated to making sushi. And it's just like these stories of people who go really deep working on something and become so excellent at it through slowly showing up every day and getting better. Uh, that's something that inspires me. I don't don't know that that always leads. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying that's like, I'd love to like, that's an 
excellent documentary. I think we're both big fans. And just mm-hmm. thinking about, okay, what is it about that? Because I'm like, okay, if you're looking for creative inspiration right now, go watch that documentary. Like <laughs> yes. It triggers something, but what is it doing? What do you think? Like, what about seeing this master and this cultivation of the craft? Like, what does that do for you? Well, it, I think part of it is honestly, it's sort of like, oh, what's the word? There's a word I'm looking for. It's like, it does, it almost glorifies the craft. That's maybe the wrong word. You know, what's the word I'm looking for? It can sort of, Glamorize maybe is the word. Like it can kind of like uh, make something that you could just look at and be like, oh, there's someone making sushi. But it like, no, it's someone taking the time to like make the slow motion video and do the talking about how they chose the fish. Yeah, here's how they do these processes. Here's their philosophy and the thoughtfulness. Whenever I hear people talking about the why behind what they're doing and the years of thinking that went into it and the history behind it and the traditions that they're following after it's like there's a richness that comes in and you're like wow yes this is so it's i the reason i brought up that sort of like glamorizing is because i think it's like easier to sit on the couch and watch someone else do that and be like oh this is so inspiring but i kind of need that in a way because it gives me sort of this like ideal state to sort of pursue and, and in a way you just you, me talking about music to someone who's not really pursuing music, I'm not going to kind of hear that type of uh, philosophy and thoughtfulness and the history and just the understanding of that craft. And so I think seeing how other people reflect on their craft sort of gives me that confidence and inspiration to look at my own work that way and say, oh no, even the little things are important and what is the tradition I'm walking in and all those kinds of different things. I don't know if that makes sense. I just think it paints an inspiring picture for what it looks like to get really good at something through the kind of unsexy path of hard work and patience and yeah. Yeah. I like that you, I like that you mentioned that even there's kind of a displacement going on here that you're seeing what it would look like in a different vocation. And somehow Mm -hmm. that's kind of like freeing to get another perspective uh, on something that's maybe not the same kind of conversations that you would have within your specific craft. And I was thinking as well, there's kind of a mimetic, like a imitation aspect to this. Like we learn so much just from watching other people and like acting Mm. like them. Like we're super like mimetic learners. And so Mm -hmm. I think when seeing a master in the craft, there's a part that, that triggers me of like, what are you doing? Like this is, there's like a nobility. This is a noble thing that he's doing, right? There's discipline, there's dedication, there's a joy, there's an excitement, there's a care, like a genuine care about what he's doing. And those are virtues that I want to have, right? That I want to cultivate and and be doing in my craft. And so I think there's, for me, a lot of it is like an inspiring of like, this is a picture of what these virtues look like when they're lived out or, or these mm. kind of creative, let's say, ideals. Um, and so I think there's, a, for me, there's a bit of imitation happening there. Like when I see a master in something, it's like, okay, what does that look like and how can i how can i transfer that onto what i'm doing like like is there an yeah. application almost which i kind of hear you saying as well there at the end of can i take what's going on in this in making sushi and somehow apply it to like producing music 
Yeah. And I don't know how I do that, but I definitely, I definitely just know that that I really enjoy seeing other people pursue a craft and do it with excellence. And, you know, another one more example to leave people with if they're looking for something right now is just look up on YouTube, John Bellion behind the beat or making of, and, you know, he's probably done a, a video of how he made like 10 or 12 songs at least. And so just going through those videos is something I'll even go back and watch them for the third, fourth, fifth time, just cause it's fun to see someone in real time making a song and just see kind of how it gets made, you know, and see, Oh, that's, Oh, interesting. He's doing the same thing as me, but he's just, you know, got more experience, better at it, whatever the differences are. But like, just sometimes as simply as seeing like, Oh, he has to do some of the same mundane tasks as me and watching someone else do that and kind of getting that long distance mentorship can be really encouraging to see like, okay, he has to tune his vocals too. And that's a tedious step, but like you, he doesn't skip that just because he's a professional, you know, like that kind of thing. Okay. This is, I really like this. So I think almost we're seeing something emerge here, a distinction, almost like an inspiration that comes from observing like creative processes like an mm-hmm. inspiration to like, okay, here's how they're, here's how John Billings doing this. This mm-hmm. is the process. Okay, that inspires me directly to think about my own process or here's mastery in a craft. How can I apply that to my own? And then I think there's almost an inspiration about like a particular idea. Like something strikes mm-hmm. you as, ooh, I had this encounter um, and there's this certain, <laughs> this thing that happened to me that I want to communicate. Like mm-hmm. that's a kind of inspiration that, is about, I don't know, maybe content or something. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, like the kind of inspiration where you are struck with an idea that then turns into a book or a a song or a movie or like whatever the medium, but it's the actual contents itself. Like I am inspired by this problem of um, sustainability or something that needs to be spoken about, whatever it is, like you, sure, you're inspired sure. by this idea and you're like, I need to talk about this. And that's different than being like, Oh, I saw this beautiful or I saw this incredible craftsmanship and that, you know, inspires me to like work generally. Yes, exactly. That's what I think there is something yeah. there, right? There's one that's like inspiring us like motivation almost like maybe it's motivation heavy. Like yeah, that, it's encouraging yeah. me to like get after it in a way where, yeah, that is a kind of inspiration, like an inspiration to sit down and do the work. But then there's also likewise inspiration an inspiration that is specific to something that's going to turn into a project. Yes. Yeah, definitely. That seems like a workable distinction. I think so. And I think the other one is more motivation than inspiration, but I think it is a type of inspiration. I agree with that. And I think I think you're right that I think it is a type of inspiration because there's something that happens like you see it and then it's like it's almost like a buoyancy like you feel lighter or something that you're kind of lifted up with it and you're carried along with it and then mm. you've got some steam or some some um, wind in your sails I mean there's so many metaphors here wind and spirit and these sort of things um, and that's definitely inspired to do something yeah I don't know. Just to circle back to my opening attempt yeah. at a distinction, I don't think, I think this is a much better way to articulate it, both being inspiration and maybe this being a particular type of inspiration. So 
we kind of started by talking about being in the spirit, not the spiritual desert, the, uh, the inspirational desert. Uh, you the wasteland. are the wasteland of the ideas. white page. Yeah. You know, like what do you do to get out of that spot? So for me, I wrote down two things. One is very craft specific. I read, I read, I read, I read the best way for me, the kind of surefire way to become inspired is to read something, you know, preferably something excellent, right? You don't want to waste your days reading things that you get a limited number of books, uh, pick them wisely. And, Mm. but to read something because it gives you a lens to think about the world. And then oftentimes I find that that lens, I then start looking out at my own life through that lens, whatever, you know, it's almost a suggested, a suggested way of looking at the world you encounter, say, in a novel. And then you start saying, okay, you can't help but have that bleed over into how you're seeing your own life and how you're seeing the events that are going on around you. And oftentimes for me, that's a super fertile, like, exercise. Um, Reading something encountering something that someone else has created and then having that bleed over into how I'm looking at the world. I mean, oftentimes it's just that simple. It's like read, read, read on something and then something's going to click or something's going to happen and that you're going to kind of say, oh, okay, what if, you know, maybe it's a point of disagreement. You're like, oh, they totally got that wrong. And then you're, you're inspired to, to do a different, but maybe a better version of that. Or maybe they did something really, really you know, you think is dead on and you want to continue that project. So responding for me, reading, responding is a really kind of go-to way for me. Uh, and so this goes to yours, right? Encountering other people's work. I'm sure, right? There's probably musicians that you listen to. Are there musicians that you listen to? Like if you're feeling like, okay, I need some inspiration. I mean, Bellion's probably one. Definitely. There's, well, definitely Bellion. I don't know how often I specifically just go I think I, I'm definitely one of those people that like finds a couple albums I like and then just can go back and listen to them a ton like Purpose by Justin Bieber I really like that album I love The Human Condition by John Bellion a lot just in that kind of pop space those kinds of things so there's like different albums I cycle through whenever I'm like just feeling like I need to go listen to someone else's work for sure and then um, but question uh so when you say respond, like you're actually like, I just read something and I'm actually going to respond by making some art, like doing some writing or a reflection or book notes. Like, what is that? Yeah, that's a good question. So encountering something, the response in this way is if you're reading something that's like you're reading a good novel, it's an active Mm -hmm. thing. It's giving you something and it's asking something from you. Right, You have to deal, just like life, that's what's so wonderful about literature, you have to deal with what's in front of you. Maybe the author presents a super nihilistic version of the world. Right, You have to say, okay, is that the way that I ought to view the world? Like, okay, here's the protagonist. Is How is he viewing things? How do I view things? Does it compare to how he is? Is that a better way? Is it a worse way? You know, are there aspects of this that seem true? Like, all of those questions you have to implicitly, if you're reading carefully, deal with, right? You're constantly evaluating that world that you're given in a novel with your own world. And so your response to that sometimes might be really explicit, 
like you have a particular, maybe an argument you want to make about disagreeing with um, that perspective on the world, but maybe it's something more subtle. You encounter a passage that I just finished, Absalom, Absalom, uh, by William Faulkner, which I think, I think it's the best novel I've read by an American author. It was absolutely incredible. Uh, but there are some passages in there that are very poetic, you know, Faulkner's got these super long, like page long sentences um, and images strike you wow. and, and they do something to you, right? They, they, they do something to you when you, <laughs> I'm stumbling. Uh, they do something to you. And then when you encounter something in your life, they're speaking to you. Like they're still there. Like I've mm-hmm. had like words and just little phrases come up that are a product of seeing the world in someone's through someone's eyes, and then looking at your world. And so that's a way of responding to me. Uh, it's basically, it's acting on you. And so how you react to it acting on you is the response. So it can be really, you know, it can be really subtle. I don't know if I want to use the word unconscious. I think it's a good word for this. It could be an unconscious influence, but mm-hmm. it could also be like really specific. Like if I read a book that I really disagree with, I might be tempted to sit down, write something that outlines particularly why I disagree with this and on what points, hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. if there's some attention that an artist is wrestling with, you know, what do I think about that tension? Like, can yeah. it be resolved? How could we resolve it? Is it unresolvable? Like all of those things. I, that's a kind of big, long spiel. But what do you think about that? Like reacting to work? Yeah, that's super interesting. I, I, the way that I think that plays out in my life is, you know, probably in reading as well, but reading and the first example is kind of just like song lyrics being stuck in my head and just kind of like popping up at different times whenever something happens Yes, yes. and just being like, Oh yeah, that hmm. it's almost unconsciously like you hear a line of a song and then you start to test out in the real world. Like, do I believe this or not? Like, is this true? Is it holding up? And, and then sometimes like you have an experience and you're like, oh my gosh, like I didn't ever feel any emotion from that line of a song. And then this, this conversation happened with someone or this, yes, yes, I got mad about this thing and now realize, oh, that's what they were talking about in that song. Whoa, that I just didn't have that life experience yet in my, in the, in a folder in my brain to like pull out or connect but that person did. And so then they wrote about it and now we have this shared experience and it's, you realize you, you can even remember things like experiences you have could bring up lyrics or passages from a book you've read because they're so connected to that idea. Dude. Yes, exactly. Like those connections where your world is colliding with the world that an artist has created. Mm-hmm. Right, that's what gets me fired up. Uh, and so kind of uh, turning <laughs> yes. it back to our whole creative inspiration and finding it in the wasteland of creativity. I like to go read something I haven't read before, or mm-hmm. maybe even something I have. Um, but go and go to the greats. Go to people that you admire. You know, if you're a painter and you you are just um, enthralled by the work of Picasso or something like that. Like, go and just spend time with it. And and I think sometimes for me, inspiration is uh, to kind of distill this a reaction. It's it's a reaction, right? When we're encountering things, we're gonna react. Mm. And I think that's 
gets me a little bit of momentum, right? If we think about inspiration as gaining steam or momentum, yeah. that's like the push. Like it pushes me to kind of start rolling down the hill. So reading was a big one. And then kind of similar to you, I also put down um, very broadly living slash experiences. Uh, yeah. Getting out and doing things, always helpful, always helpful. And this is something we've talked about. Making time, going on a hike, um, spending, you know, exploring a different part of the city that you haven't been in, trying a different cuisine, talking to people. I mean, it's kind of hard. You cannot replicate life. And if your goal as an artist is to somehow, right, articulate something about life, you have to have lived. <laughs> I mean, in a very kind of basic way. Uh, mm. It's hard to... It's hard to say something if you have nothing to say in a way. Dude, that's so good. And that the the way that hits me, if I can jump in, is like sometimes whenever I'm in a period of life where I'm just working and going out and doing things and I'm not sitting down, I'm not making songs, I'm not producing for anyone, it's sort of this feeling of like, okay, it's been a couple of days, it's been a couple of weeks, it's been a couple of months, I haven't done anything. Am I really still... A producer like am I still doing this thing and it's kind of like it's so basic but it's just a good reminder like you're not defined by your output you know and uh that's not what makes you like a writer or a, a singer or a producer or whatever your title is it's just sitting down and writing something and it doesn't mean you have to write a thousand words a day it just means that you do that sometimes and uh you can't do that if you don't live. And so just remembering for me right now, because I'm in a period of time where I'm not doing much music and I'm doing other things and working on other projects and just living, it's like really just encouraging to hear that because it's sort of this permission to be in a period of like receiving and like soaking up ideas. And then maybe later something really inspires me to write, but I just need those experiences. Like I can't fabricate them. Dude, this is so good, and I think it's actually, it might be a really sweet segue to the quote of the day. Yes. If we want to do that. Let's do it. Would you read it? I'll do a little setup here. Um, this is a quote from Ernest Hemingway from A Movable Feast, which is his memoir of his time in Paris in the 1920s. So, circling back this conversation, he's writing about what he lived through, right? These are really memories that he's working with. Um, and really the whole entire novel is this memoir of events and stories. And of course we can talk about how much is true or not. Uh, but central to this is the lived experience of his time, the events that happened, the people he met, the conversations he had, like this piece of art is so closely tied, like the core of it is the core of it is his lived experience in Paris, which is really cool. Um, and so I think that goes right along with what we just talked about. Yeah. Your lived experience, like what's going on in your life, the things that are you that you're doing, that's going to feed into, you know, your creative work and and it can be a source of inspiration. So here's the quote. Let me read it real quick. But sometimes when I was starting a new story and I could not get it going. I would sit in front of the fire and squeeze the peel of the little oranges into the edge of the flame and watch the sputter of blue that they made. I would stand and look out over the roofs of Paris and think, 
Do not worry. You have always written before and you will write now. All you have to do is write one true sentence. Write the truest sentence that you know. So finally, I would write one true sentence and then go on from there. That's from A Movable Feast, Ernest Hemingway. I really like this quote. This is uh, definitely a famous one from Hemingway on the process. And going back to the conversation of inspiration, I think it just gives us a glimpse into the actual embodied process of looking over the roofs, like looking out the window, Mm. messing around with this orange peel, like this kind of anxiety of, oh, nothing's coming. Like it's not happening. I'm not doing something. And then this kind of, don't worry, write one sentence, write one true sentence, write something very doable, manageable. Uh, And like he's compacted this whole thing of here's the artist distracted, trying to get things going, right? Trying to find inspiration. And the solution that Hemingway proposes is one true sentence. And so I think there could be a lot of application to that. What's one true lyric? What's one true mm-hmm. brush stroke? What's one true photograph? These sort of things. And it's not one perfect sentence. It's not one incredible sentence. It's not one, you know, awe-inspiring sentence. The only qualifier is just true, like honest, authentic. You know, just the idea exactly. of like good songs just come from saying like, I don't feel anything right now. You know, if that's true, then that's a great way to start a song, you know, like what is true, you know, just saying something that you're experiencing and not putting this pressure. Cause I think something that Austin Cleon talks about in his steel, like an artist is this idea of like putting so much pressure on everything you do as an artist where you're, you feel like you need to sit down with the guitar and just start playing this amazing piece, but that's not how it works. Like, you have to basically sit down and just start plucking a note, one true note, you know? Like, yes. Uh, so I think it's just such a good, simple idea to say, take the pressure off. Don't try to make one perfect thing, just one true thing. Yeah, I think you're right on. And I love that distinction that it's not the best. Don't sit down and write the best sentence. Like, just write yeah. one true sentence. You could throw it away, but it it gets you that place to start, I think. Um mm-hmm it gets that ball rolling, right? And so finding creative inspiration here is almost this kind of deep exhale. It's going to happen. We've done it before. It's going to happen again. Um, And so do this like small thing that you know, whether that be going outside, right? Whether that be reading something, whether that be listening to an album, like just in a quiet room by yourself, like whatever it is, it's almost that big exhale, (sighs) And then go about doing that one small thing and then seeing if that kind of snowballs. I love that. And I think the other thing I'll say, just speaking for myself, just to wrap up is I want to give myself the permission and give others permission to just like not have to always be making something, you know, and to just receive that inspiration and just, uh, live life and just go through experiences and just let those things be something that maybe one day it turns into art. Maybe one day it doesn't. But, um, I just think that that you saying that really just really like hit something for me that really encouraged me. I love that. And that, you know, I was just going to say that goes back to our conversation about artistic patience. Um, 
Mm-hmm. From, I guess, was that last episode or a couple before? Yeah, yeah last so. episode. Um, yes, but things have to ferment sometimes. Yeah, 100%. Well, I think that's it for today. Do you feel good to wrap it up here? Yeah, I think so. Do you have any, um, you have any practical, nitty-gritty application? Give us, give us one for the road. If you haven't seen Euro Dreams of Sushi, and I hope, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. I think I am then please go watch that. It's on Netflix, I believe. Also, the making of making of videos from John Bellion on YouTube are great for getting some inspiration into his process and send us some ways that you're inspired as well. If you, if you have things that would help us or just want to share with the listeners um, to the email in the description, love to hear, you know, feedback on the ideas we've shared too. Any any feedback or thoughts would be awesome. Absolutely. That's a wrap right there. All right. See you guys in the next episode. Peace. Hey, thanks for listening to The Craft with Carter and Colby, where we share what we're learning about the creative process. If you're a writer, music producer, marketer, filmmaker, photographer, or you just love creativity, then this show is for you. Our cover art was designed by Elizabeth Newell. You can learn more about her work at elizabethnewelldesign.com. That's Elizabeth, N-E-W-E-L-L, design.com. And you can follow her on Instagram at elizabethisadesigner. If you like the show, there's three things you can do to help us out. First, subscribe so you learn when we post new episodes. Second, send the link to one of your friends who you think would enjoy the show. Uh, Really, word of mouth is going to be the the number one way we grow the show in any way. And three, if you have a topic you want us to cover or feedback about how we can improve the show or comments on what we've said, you can respond to heycraftpodcast at gmail.com, H-E-Y-C-R-A-F-T podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.